This is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Hi, I'm Latoya Edwards, and welcome to Mommy Jamie's Night. This is going to be a great place to just relax and chat with other moms. So I hope you have on your comfy jammies, you've got your snacks, whatever you want to drink, and don't forget your box of tissue as we get ready for a time of fellowship and encouragement. I can't wait for you to meet my friends. I just know that you will be blessed by their stories and what they have to share. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Mommy Jammies Night. I am here with Sherry tonight, and I'm so excited. Um, I got to meet Sherry in February at Real Refreshment in Atlanta, and I love hearing her talk, and she is such a sweet person, and she um, has many more years homeschooling than I do, and she has lots of great wisdom, and I'm excited um, to hear her share tonight with us. Um, am I ruining my children? What I wish I knew when I began homeschooling. And I know this is something that I think hourly um, on some days. And so I can't wait for us all to be encouraged. So welcome to the show, Sherry. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Well, we're going to go ahead and get started. Um, I I um I just think one of the things that we as homeschool moms have is we are um, tired a lot, aren't we? Um and I remember when my kids were a lot younger, I was tired almost all the time. And sleeping through the night was just something I could only dream of if I could sleep long enough to dream. And I was thinking back to a particular day when I was thinking about this topic. I was working with one of my children on math, and we'd come to a topic that was really challenging, and it was day five of covering the same topic. And, you know, that's a good thing. That's, that's the beauty of homeschooling, right? We have the blessing to zip through a lesson if our child gets it quickly. We have the luxury of camping on a more difficult lesson until it's learned, but but this was day five of camping. You know, I was ready to roll up my tent and move on. I was I was done. I was thinking, how many more ways can I teach this? I'm tired. Why don't you get it yet? And I kept praying for peace, patience, and grace to teach the lesson again. And it's times like that when thoughts come into our heads, things like you're not skilled enough to teach this, or a real teacher would identify a learning issue if there is one or you're ruining your child. And that one's the coldest one. I don't know if any of you have felt that way before, but I felt that way regularly. It just kind of goes straight to your heart and starts to crush your heart. And one of the things that um, my husband and I have done, we keep a folder for times like this. It's just a simple vanilla folder we keep in our file cabinet, and it's titled Why We Homeschool. And inside it, I put printouts of encouraging things that I've read online, uh, magazine articles that chronicle how successful homeschool graduates are. You know, maybe, oh, yeah, they've made it through, so I can too. Um, I've even put torn pieces of paper with Bible verses on it. But anything that encourages me and helps me remember the reasons we began homeschooling in the first place. And that folder then is always available for me to open when I'm feeling like things are just hard. Now, you'll hear me refer to this little folder from time to time, and I call it my Egypt folder. You know, when the Israelites were enslaved in Egypt and God performed miraculous deeds of plague and locusts and all kinds of things to get a powerful ruler like Pharaoh to free his whole workforce. Now, that wasn't a forgettable thing, but the Israelites forgot. I mean, they were slaves, right? God took hold of the earth and did things that went against the natural order of things that he had set in place. How could they forget that? How could they not remember that God wanted them to be a free people? You know, God did the same thing with our family. We weren't slaves, no, but, but he told us something that he had for us to do. He made it evident that we should be training and educating our children. And if he gave us that direction, then I need to trust that he will bring the manna when I'm hungry and the water when I'm thirsty. He'll give me the strength that I need to teach the math lesson again with patience. 
and he knows it's the best thing for my child because he wouldn't call me to do it and not give me the strength that I would need to carry it out. He wouldn't give me this job if there was something better. So I'm not ruining him, but sometimes it's hard. Sometimes I feel like I would be better off to be a slave in Egypt, like the Israelites used to say. But I look at my folder. I see the reasons why we homeschool, and I remember. I get my perspective back in order, and I start that math once more t- one more time. Now, I've been homeschooling for 21 years. The last of our four children actually graduated this year. So I have I am a um, homeschool graduate myself, graduate teacher myself. Um, and it's just been an interesting journey. It's been fun. It's been full. It's been challenging, hard, but definitely worth it. And when I began way back in the Stone Age, I knew very few families who homeschooled. You know, we couldn't walk into a store without the cashier saying, is it a school holiday? And we'd say, no, we homeschool. And they'd say, was that even legal? But today if you go and tell a stranger you homeschool, nearly everyone says, oh, I have a neighbor who does that, or I have a cousin who does that, because it's pretty much grown more popular in the last two decades. But one of the first things we did to begin homeschooling when I started was we did school at home. In other words, we got little desks and a whiteboard on the wall and put a flag up for the Pledge of Allegiance and everything. Um, perhaps the only thing that made us different from a traditional school environment was I, relate, I was related to my students, and we added biblical principles into our day. But I was so afraid of messing them up, I tried to model what the school systems were doing. My concerned extended family was watching me, too, and they were wondering if I was going to mess my kids up, too, because this was an experiment, they thought. I remember having to drill the kids on what we would learn during the week before we'd go to a family gathering. I'm serious. Um, these frantic reviews began after the first incident. We had a neighbor come over, and um, she went down to my kids and said, really, you're homeschooled, but what did you learn today? And my son kind of looked it up for her and said, nothing. And, you know, I'm like, wait a minute, wait. We woke up this morning, we read, we did math, we studied, we wrote, we covered information on the solar system. What do you mean we did nothing? And so, you know, I'm kind of like, of course we did Work, didn't we, honey? But I wasn't going to let that happen again. So I instilled frantic review before we ever went to friends or family's houses. And it got so bad that whenever I began reviewing any material with our kids, they would say, Mommy, are we seeing someone today? And I call them frantic reviews because I wasn't reviewing things to make sure my kids knew material. I was doing it so they would perform correctly in public and people wouldn't think badly of me or of homeschooling. I had to impress, uh, impress people they would agree that we were doing the better thing for our kids because I was so concerned that I was messing them up. Well, that was wrong. It only brought stress to me and to my kids. My focus was on what others would think rather than what God wanted me to do. So I had to learn how to chill out. I had begun to use a traditional school model in hopes of calming people's fears or criticisms, and that model of education was all I knew. But I needed to remember I was homeschooling because I didn't want to do what the traditional schools were doing. I was trying to get my little kindergartner to sit at his desk and learn to read and do math worksheets and watch me as I went on our whiteboard. And then when I was done with all the academics that I felt like we needed for the day, then he could have recess outside. Now, um, I have three boys and a girl. And if you don't know already, boys and girls tend to be a bit different from each other. Before I was married or had kids, I used to volunteer in our church nursery, and I watched the three-year-olds. And I remember the first time I went into that room, um, I noticed the girls were sitting quietly together with a round table coloring and and the boys, there were some of them running around in circles around the table. There was one under the table, and there was one standing on top of the table. Now, though there are many girls just as energetic as boys and boys that enjoy writing and drawing like girls, it pretty much sums up a major difference between boys and girls. And But all kids need some wiggle time, and they even learn better when they're moving around. And my son needed to be moving around. So learning became a challenge with this 
classroom kind of setup that I had. He was struggling. He was moving slowly through his work. I finally realized that it wasn't he couldn't do the work. He just couldn't focus the way I wanted him to. So we needed to try some different things. We went outside for reading. I let him use uh, slices of cheese to teach fractions. We used Legos and cars and action figures to act out whatever history we were studying. And he started to learn. So the first thing I want to encourage you all is to know that there's going to be a learning curve as you adjust to what your homeschools were going to look like. Your first year or two of homeschooling will be filled with learning what works and what doesn't. And you're going to learn to learn to just adjust again as your kids' needs change, as your family circumstances change, as your finances change. But you can successfully homeschool through all of these situations, tight budgets, illnesses, learning issues, and it's not going to look like a brick or mortar school or even like any family in your homeschool group. So I want to address the scariest topics that I struggled with as I homeschooled my children. And the first one is the gaps. What about gaps? This is one of the biggest stresses we moms face if we try to make sure we're covering every aspect of our children's education because we don't want to ruin them. So realize this journey is not going to mess up your kids. They're pretty adaptable. They're going to learn how to flex with the homeschool changes each year. And that's an important life skill. You're not only teaching them facts and figures, you're instilling in them a love for learning and how to learn. That's more important than any history date, any math formula. You're teaching them that love for learning. Now, you know, if you go into any technological field um, in college, the information you learn while you're in college is likely obsolete within two years of graduation. People need to know how to learn. And I don't know about you all, but I feel my real education began when I started homeschooling my children. I was marveling at things I didn't know as we were doing their elementary level work. I was amazed. I was thinking, like, this is just so amazing. This is so cool. I never knew this. This is awesome. And they'd say, yeah, Mom, you know, it's cool. But, but it was. I had never really learned that stuff. And I believe that homeschool moms and dads are some of the smartest people I know, not because they all have degrees, but because they become lifelong learners along with their children. They appreciate the blessing of learning. And modeling that love for learning is going to be a powerful influence on your children's attitudes towards education. There's just not enough time in the 12 years of schooling for you to teach your kids everything about everything. You didn't learn everything about everything when you were in school either. You know, God is in control of the gaps. He's going to make available what each child needs. And it may not be available for another child because a different, each child needs a different experience. You know, um, several years ago when my kids were in the elementary school, we had them taking piano lessons. Um, all of them were taking lessons. And one of our kids in particular is very gifted in music and has a, a passion for music, just loves it. Um, so our piano teacher was approached by a local, our local university. They had come up with a composition software, a music composition software that they were trying to test for children, and they did specific aged kids that had had some, some musical background to test it out. Well, it just happened to be the age that my son, who, was, who loves music, was. And so he was a part of that program for the summer, and um, we would go to the, the campus once a week, and he would work on this composition program. And at the end of the summer, they picked four students from all over their, uh, the different universities that were doing this, and they uh, took their, their pieces that they composed and they played them at the Florida Film Festival. And so my son, who was at the time in fifth grade, got to have a piece that was composed, performed at the Florida Film Festival by the Orlando Philharmonic, which was such an opportunity for him, and that's what he's doing today. He's a arranger. He's a musician. He just graduated um, from college with his music degree and he's going to eventually work as, a, as a, um, an instructor in a, in a university, he's, that's where his passion is. And God opened that one little door for him, and it wasn't available for any of my other kids. So it's just neat to know that 
that God is the God of gaps. He's going to make available the opportunities for each of your children, and you need to be open to what's available, but know that he is the God of the gaps. Um, the second one is don't compare yourself with others. Now, this is a biggie. We know this, but we need to hear it again. We tend to want to gauge how we're doing by how others are doing. Like you go to a homeschool meeting and hear that little Johnny Smith has memorized all the elements of the periodic table, and his sister Susie won a national writing contest, and you think about the morning with your kids and about the only type of science one of them has done is setting the clumps of dirt in a sandbox trying to figure out if they were made by the rain or by the neighborhood cat. And the other child's still struggling to write his name, let alone write an engaging short story. And you're just trying to keep the littler ones clean and fed. And it's okay. When we look at other families, we're seeing their best. We don't know what's going on behind the scenes. And you know how easy it is to make it look like everything's fine, right? You walk into the living room one day, you step on some misplaced Legos that you told the kids to pick up and they didn't. Then you overhear two of them fighting in the bathroom over whose towel belongs to who. And then the phone rings. And you're in the, in the middle of a sentence of yelling to your children and all of a sudden you pick up your phone, hello, and you sound fine, right? We, we can do this. It's kind of a Jekyll Hyde thing. But we're able to present ourselves in a way that makes people think that we're, we've got everything together when many times we don't. And understand that people don't have the same situation that you have. Your children are unique in their strengths. Your family is unique, too. So we're responsible for what we do with our children each day. God perfectly suited you to your own children and knew you would be the perfect mama for each of them. That's why he's entrusted them to you. He's going to provide the opportunities, the curriculum, the classes for each of your children to best prepare them for what he has for them. Our job is to be faithful to work at training them and working with their specific learning situations to educate them to their best potential. You know, think about this. If every student should excel at exactly the same thing, then let's just put them all together in large classes, use the same curriculum, give them that one standardized test that shows us how they perform in the exact same area of education. Well, we know that's not, that that's not the way it works, right? They're not the same. So they have different strengths. They have different bent. That's why homeschooling is the best thing for their education. So it's not going to look like anyone else's, and it shouldn't. So we shouldn't be comparing. Okay, number three, stay focused. Don't get caught up in the things that keep you from your main objective. You know, you're going to hear about a lot of great opportunities for classes, a lot of great curricula, a lot of amazing teaching methods out there, and they're likely all amazing, but they're not all amazing for you or your child. If you're needing to focus on, let's say, mastering math facts this year with one of your kids, hearing about a great opportunity to take a drawing class with a master artist that interferes with your math plan is probably not a good thing. It may be, but you need to weigh the options each year and determine what's best for you and your child. Sometimes it's better to say no to the good things for the better things. We can get so easily distracted by the newest curriculum fad, too. Let me just say that if you're using a curriculum and you like it and your child likes it and is learning from it, why change? You know, that old, if it ain't broke, don't fix it kind of thing? Don't feel that pressure. I had that experience with my oldest when he was in elementary school. We were using a math curriculum that was fun, thorough. Uh, he loved it. He did well. He did great on his standardized exams. And then a brand shiny, new, exciting math curriculum hit the homeschool theme. It was a good curriculum. Students were learning from it. They were testing well. And I felt like I was the only person in the whole wide world who was still using this old curriculum. I could hear, like, the shadows of my mom when I was in middle school saying to me, you know, just because everybody else has an iZod top Sherry doesn't mean you have to. But despite that, the very next year, I decided it would be good for us to join the rest of all those happy, smart homeschoolers and buy the new curriculum. Well, it was a disaster. Though it was a good, solid curriculum, it didn't fit my son's learning style. I noticed that when it was math time, he would just kind of sigh. He'd slowly work through it. 
he would save it for his last subject to do, and it began to be a chore and not his favorite subject anymore. When I finally realized what was happening, I, I talked it over with my husband, we bit the bullet, and bought the next level of our old curriculum. I just couldn't let him lose his excitement for a subject that he loved just because I wanted to keep up with the Joneses. Which brings me to my next point. Number four, give yourself permission to get rid of curriculum that isn't working. You know, let yourself make some curriculum mistakes. If you're forcing your children to continue using a curriculum that doesn't work, it's like making them wear shoes that are too small for their feet, though they're in good shape. You know, when I began homeschooling, there were very few choices of curriculum available. Now there's an overwhelming amount to choose from. But it's a good thing. If a certain format of education isn't working, you can change it to better fit your child. Some kids love doing worksheets. Others would rather eat broccoli than write their names with a pencil. It's okay to change a curriculum if it's not working for you. In fact, I give you permission. If you need permission from someone, I'm giving you permission. Put a line item on your budget for reselling curriculum and, and curriculum mistakes if you need to. Take that curriculum that's not working, resell it, bless another family with it or something, but you need to get rid of curriculum that's not working for you. Okay, number five, spend more time at home. I, I mean, this, this could, should kind of be a no-brainer for us as homeschoolers, but it's so easy to get caught up in all the extracurricular activities and the co-op classes and the field trips that we're, we're just never home with our kids anymore. And we need to realize that there are a lot of good things that will keep us from the best things if we let them. So try to protect a few days in your week where you're completely at home, if possible. I know it gets harder when the kids get older, but if you consider being at home an important thing, you'll adjust your schedule to make it happen more often. Being home is important for your kids. You know, your home is a haven to them. It's a place of comfort, letting them have time to be together with family. There's just a, a beauty in the routine of running a household that gives an anchor for your children as well. It fosters their communication with each other. It gives them shared memories together, even misadventures. You know, when there's a flat tire in the van and mom has to figure out how to change it and it starts to rain and the kids are singing songs inside the van while mom's fixing it and dealing with issues, they'll remember that and they will laugh about it. My kids reminisce all the time about things that happened when they were younger, but they have these shared memories together. It's just such a precious time being together. Now, I know there are likely to be seasons in your house where this is just not going to be possible, but try to place a value on home days, and doing that will do more for your homeschool and your family and your frame of mind than you realize. Try to consolidate activities if you can. Like if you're doing music lessons, try to find a music teacher or program where they can all get lessons, even if they play a different instrument. Look for a co-op that offers classes you need on the same day. If you have a child on the sports team, see if your older child can be an assistant. That way, one gets exercise, the other gets volunteer hours, and you'll only have to drive one place. What we did for a couple of years, we got tired of running around to all the sports things, and we just wanted to go one spot for everybody. And we discovered our local YMCA had Taekwondo classes. So we joined this Taekwondo class. It was taught by a Christian guy. It was an awesome time. Our whole family went, all six of us. And we all donned our little white outfits and, and did Taekwondo and worked out together. And it was so much fun. We did it for two years. It was such a great opportunity to just drive one place, and we all had fun together. Okay, number six, take a break from your curriculum lesson plan. It's okay to take a step back, to gain perspective when things get out of control or, or school becomes a drudge. Now, I know we're just starting the school year, so maybe we're all excited and gung-ho and, and just moving through, but there's going to come a time when things start bogging us down, and it's okay. Take a day and just do crafts. Take a day and say, you know what, we're just going to read today. You can read whatever you want to read, but as long as you're reading, just read for the day. Whether it's comic books or whatever you have in the household, let your kids just read for the day. Just something to mix it up a bit and take a break. 
you know, it, it's okay if you don't finish an entire textbook it, if it doesn't fit into your schedule. It's okay to slow down once in a while. Don't worry that you may not be covering a certain subject when the standards tell you you should. God has a better plan for your kids than a scope and sequence. And sometimes you need to move away from what's in the textbook. You know, your kids develop differently from each other. Some will read earlier than others. Some will capture their math facts sooner. Children develop dis differently, and they need time to ponder, to experiment, to have that play time and just kind of reset and reboot once in a while. So if you're feeling overwhelmed or you notice your kids are feeling overwhelmed, take a break, a playtime day or something. It's okay to take a break from one of your curriculum, maybe just one subject. Let's say you put down the science book a bit. It's okay to do that and let your kids read about and research something they love. I'm even saying that, and I love science, but it's okay to do that. Let's say you're studying mammals, and you hit a section on bats, and your kids go crazy about bats. You don't have to say, well, that's nice, honey. You have to move on, though, and study bees now. If they're really interested in bats, stop. Let them check out several library books on bats. Find some educational videos about bats. Build a bat house. Figure out what, where all the species of bats live in the world and make a global map. Have your kids write about what they've learned. Are you following your curriculum when you do that? No. But is education happening? Yes. You know, you can come back to the science book when you finish the baddie stuff and then tell your kids, okay, well, let's see what else you can find as we go through this course that you find interesting. Make it like an adventure, a treasure hunt. But don't suppress the excitement of education with the tyranny of the lesson plan. Now, one of our sons has an extreme propensity for anything technological. He loved working on computers when he was young, and he's the one we call now when our tech devices mess up. But when he was a preteen, I was so frustrated with his computer focus. I'd walk into the room and find him reading the computer manual. You know those, those heavy books that come with your, your computer when you order them that we just kind of throw away or file someplace? He reads them intentionally. He loves it. I actually remember myself saying one time, will you put down that computer book and read your Tom Sawyer? I couldn't believe I had to say that. He has a passion for it. So I had to figure out a way to allow him to pursue this passion in a way that worked with my lesson plans, not against him. So I had to let go of my plans for my kids. You know, Proverbs 16:9. we say this all the time. The heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. It's important to make plans, but understand that as, we, we, as we've made those plans, we're going to adjust and move from those plans to meet the immediate needs that our kids have. As I began to learn what, more about what made my children tick, I had to make adjustments in my plans to make my plans fit with their bent. And that's the beauty of homeschooling. When things get crazier, when we have a new revelation about our children, we have the freedom to take breaks, step back, or make turns. It's not going backwards. It's progress. Okay, number seven. Get some support. You know, we can't do it alone. The local support groups and state groups provide amazing help. And, and um, I homeschooled back in the Stone Age when there were very few options for curriculum and support groups were kind of tight-knit, perhaps because we were clinging to each other from fear so we didn't get picked off by the critics. But... Many of us became lifelong friends, and our children did too. We participated in co-ops where one mom would teach a subject that she had a passion for, and other moms added their passions to other courses. We encouraged and prayed for each other. We were with a group some years, and some years we weren't, depending on what our family needed. So look for a homeschool group that fits your needs, whether you want one that has classes or just monthly meetings or field trips or just one that needs to talk to somebody who says, I understand. There's likely a group that's going to meet those needs. It is so much harder when you isolate yourself. Number eight, take some time for yourself. <laughs> I know, when, right? When will we have time? When do we have extra time at all? Understand this is an important thing you can do for your kids. 
You need refreshment. You need to regain focus. You also need to set aside time with your husband, and that's one of the most important things you can do for your kids. That's an entirely different workshop, but taking time to build up parents and yourself is critical, and you have to be creative to find that time. I had my four children in a six-year period, so needless to say, those elementary and middle school years were really intense, but I realized that if I planned it, I could grab an hour or two away to meet with another mom for some quiet time or praying time. One of those moments was early Saturday morning. Uh, my husband was home. The kids often slept in a little longer because we let them stay up later on Friday night. So I would set up one Saturday a month to meet with a friend for breakfast. We'd meet at 7 in the morning. I'd be home by 9. The kids would just be finishing up breakfast, and the day would just be starting. And I had a much happier frame of mind and a better perspective, so I was more able to jump back into the day. So be creative trying to find areas where you can grab even 15 minutes of time to yourself. All right, number nine, focus on character. Homeschooling gives you more time to be involved with your children. You know, we don't want to ruin them. We want the best for them. This is one of the best things you can do for your kids. You have more influence on them. Even if they attend co-op classes, you're the primary instructor as their mom. And what a benefit. You can shape their hearts. You can shape their minds. You have time to gain more insight into their hearts and deal with issues as they arise. Why is character important? Well, Lots of reasons, and I remember when my kids were in middle school, we were really focusing on character because they just weren't getting it. Um, I wanted to give them a tangible, something tangible earthly that they could see how character, at least here on the surface, would be helpful for them. And so um, I grabbed our newspaper back in the day when we got daily newspapers, and I pulled out the professional classified ads. Again, that's probably on the Internet now, but um, we pulled out the classified ads, and, and I gave each of them a highlighter. And I said, I want you to go through and just take about 20 minutes and highlight any character traits that you see these employers looking for, things like hardworking or punctual or diligent or something like that. And so they spent some time doing that. And then when they were done, we stepped back and looked at those classified ads. And it was amazing. Almost every single ad was colored. And the cool part about that was not just were those character qualities in there, they were listed first. So it would be something like, wanted um, punctual, hardworking, computer specialists who had two-plus years in such-and-such such programming. And we discussed what that meant. And, and I talked to them about, let's say you had, as an employer, two different people you were going to hire um, as a potential hire person. And one of them was um, very skilled at everything that you wanted for skill, but based on their resume and some of the things you found out about them, they didn't have the best character. In fact, they had very poor character. The other candidate had um, not all the skills you were looking for, but had exemplary character. As an employer, the one that you would want to hire would be the one that has the character. Why is that? Because the one that has the skills, even if they're able to do everything, they may not be showing up to work on time, and when they are working, they may not be working very hard. They're not going to give you their best. And as an employer, you can't train character. But the one that has the character, and maybe not all the skills, is going to do everything in his power to learn, is going to work really hard, is going to put all of, his, all, all of his might and energies into gaining those skills so that he can become a good employee. Can you see how character is critical? It's one of the best things we can train our children and teach our children as they're with us each day. And as a homeschooler, we have so much more opportunity to do that with them. Okay, number 10, never decide to stop doing this out of fear. Okay, I know as we come around to, 
usually that, that long stretch after the Christmas break, before spring break, we start thinking, okay, well, how much actually is private school costing this year? And I'm just going to look up real quickly private schools in the area. And we start thinking about those things because we're afraid that we're not giving them what they need. And that's not a good reason. Are you afraid that God's not big enough? If he's calling you to homeschool, he's going to provide the time. He's going to give you the resources and the progress. I know a lot of families who think about punting sometimes because they're so, they're so crippled with fear. Yes, it's challenging, but don't stop because you're afraid you're ruining your kids because you're not. Now, really quickly, I want to wrap up by showing you some of the benefits I've seen in my last 21 years of home educating, along with some of the studies that have shown um, how successful homeschoolers have been. And a lot of these things are stuff that I just pulled out of my uh, Egypt folder. One of the benefits is time with your kids. You know, in a private or public school setting, your kids are away at school for seven hours. Then if they have after-school sports, they're gone for a couple more hours. Then they come home and have a shower and eat dinner, and they've got three-plus hours of homework. You never see them. You never have time with them to walk along with them, to, to learn along with them. Um, homeschooling provides more memories they can share together and with you. Like I talked about earlier, those misadventures, the movies they share together, projects they work on, they share memories together that they wouldn't get if they were parsed out into their specific grade levels. It gives your kids more childhood thanks to being at home. You know, don't push aside the importance of childhood. It's a time of exploration, of imagination, of searching and growing. And this is so important to a child's mental and emotional development. Kids need free time. Kids need time for innocent play. And they'll grow up soon enough. Also, there's more educational options out there so that you can meet their individual needs. There's just about every type of educational program for every need that a homeschooler might have. You also have more flexibility in their schedule so they can pursue interests. They can start a blog. They can explore art. They can learn music. They can garden. They can start a little business. They can get involved in a sport. They can volunteer or they can even do internships. You know, I want to quote um, a, a gentleman named Sir Ken Robinson. He's a professor at, of education at the University of Warwick in England. And he works with countries and companies that are trying to understand why students have lost creativity. And I just love this quote. He says, the dampening culture of standardization keeps our curriculum narrow, not making available options for learning for our kids. Creativity and imagination require mistakes to be made. Conformity and standardization, sitting still and doing multiple choice tests all the time, obstructs the original thinking and confident imaginations that underpin real innovation. Subjects divided up by day and hour with standardized tests, following them again are developed for efficiency not better learning. You see, our, our model, pa modern pattern for education was developed to meet the need of the Industrial Revolution, a regimented, organized culture of education like an assembly line, where children are divided into age groups. Ladies, this is an artificial construct. Never, ever in your life, other than a brick-and-mortar school, are you going to be living and working with 25-plus folks exactly the same age as you. How is that socially helpful for life? It's a given that the best education is personalized to every student. If you have more than one child, you can agree with me that they're very different and have unique talents and passions and motivations. You know, up to about 150 years ago, everyone was homeschooled. And when the states finally began to make public school mandatory, it took until 1918 for, for all children to be required to complete primary school, 1918. But only 40 years later, educational reformers began to question this method, all kinds of questions about the methods of teaching in public schools. In the late 70s, folks began to realize that the public school model was not a successful model to teach a majority of students, though there were some that could learn in spite of the model. Many were falling between the cracks because they didn't learn the way the model taught. 
That's why we've seen so much reform as a response to try to meet that. Today, there are over 2 million homeschoolers, and that's not including those who are homeschooled under a private school umbrella. So that number is much higher. Homeschooling is the fastest growing method of education in the country. Over two-thirds of our state offer free virtual classes to students at home. And homeschools on average score in the 87th percentile in standardized tests. That means they score better than 87% of all other students in all subjects. And that average fluctuates just a little bit regardless of the education of the parent, the family's income, or even if the parents have a teaching degree or not. The longer you homeschool, the better scores your students have on standardized tests, again, regardless of income or family situation. So on average then, let me just wrap up, homeschoolers are better educated and socialized than their peers. They have been accepted to all major universities. They've shown themselves to be exceptional performers in the workplace. In fact, employers and universities look for homeschoolers. So are we ruining our children by homeschooling them? You know, I wish I really understood at the beginning of our homeschooling adventure that this form of education does not drive the learning out of our children. They've been allowed to dream, to pursue interests, and own their education. Yes, I've made mistakes. But you know what? They're flexible. In spite of those mistakes, they have learned through it. And they've learned along with me. They've learned to be self-directed learners. They've, they're able to learn better because we've tailored their education to best fit their needs. We've been able to aggressively build on their strengths and patiently work on their struggles. And you just can't beat the one-to-one teacher-to-student ratio. So homeschooling definitely looks like a different kind of education. But let me just wrap up by saying it's a real education, and it's a better education. Well, I hope that was helpful for everybody. That was great. Sorry, I got kicked off the call for two seconds there. That was funny. <laughs> it was kind of quiet. What happened? <laughs> Right. I know. I love that. <laughs> so thank you for sharing those things with us. I know I'm probably guilty of all ten of those things you talked about at some point in time. I just have two questions here. So first question is, what would you say would be the most important maybe advice or encouragement for a mom just starting the homeschooling journey, so a newbie homeschooler, what would you say to that mom? I would say take the first year to learn how to homeschool with your children, for them to learn how to do it too. And don't have a goal. Don't, don't be upset if, if nothing is, 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 there's no progress. In other words, if they learn absolutely nothing on the academic level in this whole year, but they've learned some character about how to work with you, about how to control themselves, about how to manage their day and deal with being in a homeschool environment, then it's been a successful year. Anything else is frosting. And you'll be surprised at how much they learn in spite of all that anyway. But I think we tend to say, oh, no, I've got to have a standardized test to make sure that we've, you know, met all of our goals and they've learned, you know, leaps and bounds. And just give it a year. Give it a year to just learn each other and learn to work with each other because you're building skills that will help them learn exponentially later on. Right. Good. Okay. And then for the mom that is at the end of the journey, um, maybe has high schoolers or is about to graduate, um, you know, their children, what would you say to that mom? Um, this is, that's a time, I mean, we, that's fresh in my mind now because we just finished our fourth child. Um, I would this 
the high school years are really a great time to walk alongside of them and help them discover where their love is, where their passions are, where their strengths are, and help them explore it. You know, homeschoolers have more time and have more flexible schedule. So I, I'm just a big proponent on interning, internships. I think that um, it gives them, even if it's a two-week experience, you know, experience or once a, one day a week doing something, if they say, you know, I think that might be a fun career to do, let them do it for a little bit. Find somebody in your church or someone you know that they can walk alongside and just follow around with. It helps them identify, you know, I loved that or I didn't love that. And um, it helps them to focus where maybe God is leading them um, as they become young adults. So along with the academics, I would say really help them to dialogue with them to help them find their passions and discover what they, their loves are. And you kind of know as parents what they're good at. And, you know, from the beginning you can tell this child's really strong in this area, this child's strong in that area, and you can help to help them see that. So so your goal, I mean, we really take on the role of, of guidance counselor that way and, and have other people that they know also pour into their to, to their hearts too. Have other adults that have watched them grow up talk with them and share with them to help corroborate those ideas too. Awesome. Well, that is great. All right. So, Sherry, where can we find you in the wide, wide world of the Internet? Do you have a blog? Well, I, is that the best place to one? find you? Well, that's one, just just hyphenextraordinary.com. But I also have a Facebook page, and I'm on that regularly. Um, you can either do Sherry Seligson, my personal page, or I have a Just Extraordinary page. It's um, Facebook, you are at extraordinary. You are extraordinary. Um, right. And so... Um, either of those places. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram, but um, those are all under Sherry Seligson. So I'm available. If anybody ever has questions or wants to contact me, I should be out there. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us, and all of Sherry's links and information will be on the show page for this. And um, thank you for joining us. And I can't wait for everybody to come back next month because I'm going to have Jeannie Fulbright talking about the importance of Christian worldview um, for homeschoolers. So that's going to be another fun and exciting thing. Um, good night, everyone. Take care. Thanks, Sherry. Thank you. Thank you, Latoya. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us for Mommy Jenny's Night. I'm your host, Latoya Edwards, and it's been such fun hanging out with you tonight. Please come back and check us out on our website, Mommy Jenny's Night, for all of the archives of our past shows. And don't forget to invite your friends and set your calendar for the second Tuesday of every month for more fellowship and encouragement.